0: Y'all ready? I'm going to read a big passage of Scripture. We've been in this series uh, uh, about the parables or the stories that Jesus tells, the stories that Jesus told. You know, Jesus is still telling some stories because the Bible says he's the author and he's the finisher. And that means that your story is still being written. Amen. I love that. It means the journey is not over. No one has arrived. We're all in this thing together. And it's amazing what God is doing. Okay, so I'm going to read uh, this passage of Scripture in Luke 15. Uh, it's, it, it, it's long, okay, but but bear with me. And that way, like, if you didn't have a chance to read your Bible this week, we're going to get you caught up right here. Amen? Okay, Luke 15, 11 through 32. And he said, this being Jesus, a man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. And so he divided his wealth between them, and not many days later the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with loose living. And now when he had spent everything, severe famine occurred in that country and he began to be impoverished. And so he went, hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country and sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating, and no one was giving anything to him. But when he came to his senses, when he came to his senses, Bible only says it once, but I felt like saying it twice. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I am dying here with hunger, and I will get up and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. And so he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer. Remember, he had it down because he's practiced it. He said, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father interrupted him. And he said to his slaves, quickly bring out the best robe. Put it on him. Put the ring on his hand. Sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf. Kill it. Let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost. Somebody said lost. And he was found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field. And when he had come and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. And he summoned one of the servants and began inquiring what these things could be. And he said to him, your brother's come, your father's killed the fatted cat because he received him back safe and sound. But he became angry and was not willing to go in. And his father came out, began pleading with him, but he answered and said to his father, look, for so many years I've been serving you. I've never neglected a command of yours. And yet you've never given me a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your wealth with prostitutes. You killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you have always been with me, and all that is mine, is yours. But we had to celebrate. We had to rejoice. For this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live, and was lost and has been found. So the stories that Jesus told in Luke 15 illustrate how God views the lost and how restoration and celebration happens when they're found. I, I I was I was talking to my wife the other day, I realized she was kind of distraught. She was working on bills and stuff like that. And I'm like, honey, what's going on? She says, I can't balance the checkbook. You know, and at first I'm like, whoa. I said, Well, how far are you off? And she said, three cents. I'm like, three cents? I mean, she is I've seen her be like this when it's one cent off. Right? I mean, something lost is really important to her. And 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 what what is and, and you know, the other day, it's really funny. A couple of days later, stuff's still out on the table, and I come in and she's just happy. She's got a cup of coffee in her hand. What how are you doing today? I'm good. I found it. I found the three cents. I'm like, you are such a rock star when it comes to that. That's so amazing. But the three parables in Luke 15 illustrate the way that God feels about the lost. And I believe the three stories also illustrate the persons of the Trinity and how they operate in the rescue of mankind. I don't know if you've ever considered that before. The shepherd, the parable of the good shepherd, the lost sheep, that's, that's Jesus, the good shepherd. We see the woman with the lost coin. The woman actually represents the church and the lamp that she uses to il- uh, illuminate, represents the Holy Spirit. And then we see the father in the prodigal uh, son's story. Spurgeon, C.H. Spurgeon, for those that you don't know him, he's called the Prince of Preachers, one of the most famous guys that's, that's ever preached the gospel, expounds uh, in, chapter, in, in, in one of his sermons. And he says this, the third parable would be likely to be misunderstood without the first and the second. We have sometimes heard it said, here's the prodigal received as soon as he comes back, no mention be made of a Savior who saves and seeks him. Is it possible to teach all the truths in one single parable? Does not the one first speak of the shepherd seeking the lost sheep? Why need and repeat what's been said before? It's also been said that the parable that the prodigal return of his own free will, for there's no operation of the superior power upon his heart. It seems like as if himself he spontaneously says, I will arise and go unto the Father. The answer is that the Holy Spirit's work had been clearly described in the second parable and needed not to be introduced again. And if you put the three pictures in a line, they represent the whole compass of salvation. Now, we lose something, and depending on the value Determines our reaction. I wasn't worried about three cents from my checkbook. I mean, I kind of joke, well, do you want to you know, close the account and start another count again? You know, I was you know, kind of being sarcastic. But, you know, the, the, the ramifications for her, she realized there's actually something else because if I'm three cents off here, when the next cycle comes on, it's going to compound itself and there will be something a bigger picture. And we need to get the bigger picture. We need to get God's picture of how He looks at people that are lost. And sometimes we lose something and view it as an inconvenience. Other times it's a great loss, possibly because of the memories held or, or the value. Can I just say this? It's not hard to get lost, right? I mean, have you ever been in a huge parking lot, like at an airport? And maybe you've been gone for a few days and you lost your car. And because maybe before you did, you actually take a picture of the row and the number. I saw, I saw a, a, an advertisement um, first. this little doohickey, you know, whatchamacallit, whatever you, you, you want to call it, where it would clip onto your front. And when you got out of the car, it's great. This was a commercial. It was great. You push a button and say, row five, space four, as you go into Walmart, right? And I'm thinking, wow. And I never, ever had an issue with that until I lost my car a couple times in a parking lot. Now I'm, I pay a lot more attention. <laughs> Do you know that there's websites created for lost things? There's a website called ilost.com. And they, they, they advertise that we've created 286 or 286,196 happy losers do you know that there's a website called camera found that they've actually they claim that they've helped people find almost a million cameras because cameras have memories right I mean cameras have stuff Um, there's registries there's air tags there's gps Robbie wants me to have this app on my phone called 360 right is that what it's called live 360 and I have it on my phone and then she took my phone the other day and she activated it because she wants to know where I am you know she wants to know when I'm coming home she wants to actually it's because if I'm out in the woods she wants to know if I you know fall down right if a pastor falls down in the woods does anybody hear it right <laughs> or whatever but lost stuff is a big deal It's a big deal in the natural. Some people have lost their hope. Some people have lost their mind. Some people have lost their patience. Some people have lost their peace. Some people have lost their grace or even joy. Some have lost their vision. They've lost their future. They've lost their innocence. They've lost their hearts and they've even lost their soul. Some have lost marriages. Some people have lost children. Some people have lost parents. Lost things are a big deal in the natural and even a bigger deal in the spiritual and biblical sense. And that's why Jesus told three stories about how important it was in Luke. Three stories, and one of them is one of the longest parables with the prodigal son to illustrate the importance and how God feels about people that are lost without a saving relationship with Him. And sometimes we can be like the Pharisees That's what the older son represented, where we become apathetic toward the lost. And Jesus is illustrating this by showing the attitude of the older brother, that who in the culture would have actually been responsible. In the culture, the older brother would have been responsible for bringing restoration between the father and a younger son. Oh, thank you so much. You must have heard me choking up here. So, the, lost, the word lost is used uh, six times in this parable. And it's, it, it doesn't mean something has been misplaced like we do. It's not like losing the remote or leaving your phone at the restaurant. The Greek word here is apolume. And what it means is to destroy, to ruin, to cause destruction... And fail to obtain. And when God views the same people that we do, we have a tendency sometimes to become very apathetic, and maybe we'll say, well, really they're missing out. But He realizes, He recognizes the destruction that they're walking in. The ruin. And His heart goes out to them. So the Lord, please help us when... We're apathetic about the things that God's passionate about. So I want to make three declarations to you this morning. Number one is God doesn't forget lost people. God doesn't forget them. They don't don't go out of His heart. It says in Isaiah 49, 15 through 16, Can a woman forget her nursing child and have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, but I will not forget you. Behold, I've inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. The second declaration I want to make this morning is, Jesus is the great finder. He's the great pursuer. Luke 19.10, For the Son of God has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Listen, it's not misplaced. It's actually ruin and destruction. And the third declaration is lost is not the will of God. It's not the will of God. John 3.16 said, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. So that's my introduction. I want to unpack the parable of the lost Son. Amen? You all ready? Okay. First of all, these three stories that we find in Luke chapter 15 were all in response to the criticism that Jesus received on who He was keeping company with. Who He was having dinner with. Back then, you didn't have dinner with just anybody. And so, that, 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 that's what prompted this, these stories. But I want to say, you know, it's hard to reach unless you reach. It's hard to reach out unless you reach out. We, we have a tendency to kind of get in our own little bubble, you know, our own little people, our own little community, and there's nothing wrong with that. But if that's all that you're doing, you realize I'm not reaching out. How, how many of you can say there are actually lost people that don't know Jesus in your circles? And there should be, they should be part of your circle. You should be reaching out. You should be actually trying to figure out how can I, how can I build bridges into a, into a culture that needs the gospel because I am, listen, Christ in us is the hope of glory. You can almost say, I am good news because of Jesus in me, Jesus in you. You are good news. You are the good news that shows up at work. You are the good news that shows up at school. You are the good news that shows up in the marketplace. You are the good news that shows up when somebody's beside the road and stranded and needs some help. You are the walking good news because of Jesus in you. And a lot of times we just become hardened and apathetic to that. And you also, can I say that you also have to be intentional. And you have to influence instead of being influenced. There was a, 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 a time in my life when I recommitted my Lord, and man, I was just like, I mean, I'm hanging with the wrong people. I'm hanging in the wrong circles. I'm swimming in the wrong stream. And I realized I've got to withdraw myself from that, not because I'm better than they are, but because I was not in a position to influence. I was in a position where I was being influenced. And then after, after God just, you know, rebuilt some things in me, some foundation things in me, you know, gave, gave, gave me a purpose and a vision, then I'm like, uh, okay, now I'm going in. I'm going in because that house is on fire, but now I've got some equipment. Okay? Now I've got a fire hose. So you also have to look at the principal people in every story as well. Who is Jesus talking to and why? First of all, he's talking to tax collectors and sinners. And these would be like people that are aware of their brokenness. They're aware of their their sin. They're aware of the dysfunction in their life. They're aware that things aren't the way they should be. They're aware that the dreams that maybe used to be there aren't there and they can't really figure out why because sometimes people are lost and not even know why they're lost. The second group of people is the Pharisees. And he's speaking to people who they're proud to be a good person. They're proud to be like, I'm a rule follower, right? It should be good. How many times have you heard somebody say, well, I'm a good person? Okay. Well, the issue we have is Romans 3, basically uh, 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's nobody that doesn't need a Savior. It's not good works. It's not following the rules that saves. And so we read the story, and the young son basically saying, give me my share. Culturally, he was saying, I wish you were dead. Because in that culture, you, you didn't even think about receiving your inheritance until basically the father was gone. So he was coming to him and said, listen, give me my stuff it's more important than relationship is. That's what he was saying. See, this is the crazy thing. To the Jewish listener, because he said the younger of them said to his father, father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth. Any Jewish listener would have seen this as an unforgivable sin. So the son made a choice. I want you to hear me. The son made a deliberate choice to be independent of his father, much like Adam did in the garden and was cut off from his father's presence. This is is what's happening. This is what Jesus is illustrating to them. Basically, humanity has made the same request of God. We want the created stuff, but not a relationship with the creator. We want to walk in all the blessings, but we don't want to be really with the one who gave the blessings. And if we're not careful, we can fall into that ourselves. It says this in Romans 1:22 through 22-25, professing to be wise, they become fools and exchange the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Therefore God gave them over in the lust of their hearts to impurity so their bodies would be dishonored among them, for they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. There's nothing new under the sun. The son was saying, I want your stuff but not relationship, and it's the same thing that so many people do today. And then when it's spent and it reaches the end, it's not enough. It will never fulfill, it will never sustain. If you are disconnected from the creator, the created will leave you empty. How would this father feel if my son came to me and said, "Dad, I want all your stuff." but I really don't care about a relationship with you. Or if he came to me and said, hey, Dad, you're, you're getting a little older. How many more years do you think you got? Because I kind of like a couple of those guitars that you have. But he didn't want relationship. Think about relationships that maybe you've encountered in the past where they're always based on what you can do, what you have, what you can give. And then when that runs out, you realize that person really didn't want a relationship. They just wanted to be around me because I had some mad skills. Amen. Well, when we, when we look at this, Warren Worsherby wrote this. He said, we're always headed for trouble whenever we value things more than people, pleasure more than duty, and distant scenes more than the blessings we have right at home. It's always something that we're searching for but our contentment is only going to come from him listen it's not the career it's not the right education it's not the truck the dog the girl or the gun that will fulfill you now don't get me wrong those are all kind of fun i got the truck i got the dog i got the girl i got the gun and i'm blessed but not at the expense you got to have stuff in the right order Honey, you're prettier than any truck I've ever honed. I like you more than my dog. They both got red hair, so that's cool. I have a red setter for all you that don't know that. There's nothing wrong with these things unless they are what we strive for instead of pursuing God. Pursuing God is not an add on. It's, it, it has to be a lifestyle. It's, it's going to affect your priorities. It's going to affect your calendar. It's going to affect your pocketbook. My relationship with my wife affects everything that I am. It affects my calendar. It affects my pocketbook. It affects my priorities. Because that's what relationship is. But we have to have, first of all, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. All these other things will be added unto you. And we just get misplaced. Ah, I can make baby cry when I'm preaching. Sorry. Sorry, Mom. So the Son has spent everything and recognize that in his own choices, his life, his life is not only not fulfilling, but it's a disaster. He's at the end of his end. He's come to the bottom of the bottom. And so we see that he comes to his senses. He comes to repentance. He says, man, I'm not created to live like this. I... I, I, this was never the dream that my father had for my life. And somewhere I got off track. Somewhere I got my priorities messed up. Somewhere I got stuff up. And and so he begins to come to his senses and he recognizes what he's walked away from, what he's given up, and that the things of the world cannot fulfill him. So he begins to rehearse. Maybe if I just say the right words. Maybe if I I commit and submit myself to Him, and I just kind of say the right words, then maybe I have a shot. Maybe I've got a chance. Maybe I can get back. So this is the scene. And Jesus is telling this story. It's so amazing. And that what we see is that He's on the walk of shame. Shame. And then on the walk of shame, his father actually sees him coming and pursues him with grace. He interrupts the walk of shame with the pursuit of grace. And that's the heart of Father God. On the walk of shame, his father actually interrupts him. Could I have our worship team just start coming up? And, And here's what I love. His father saw him coming up on the road, and he didn't see him through the lens of failure. He didn't look at him through the lens of betrayal. He didn't look at him through the lens of selfishness. He didn't say, okay, here comes my selfish son. I wonder what I'm going to do. That wasn't part of the narrative. That wasn't part of the story. That's not how God looks at you and I when we fail, when we fall away, and sometimes it's 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 shame that we're trying to come back. And God never looks at you like, well, that's the daughter that lied. That's the son who stole. That's the that's the person who walked through uh, you know a, a divorce. That's the person who walked through an abortion. That's the person who did this. God doesn't look at us like that. He looks at us through grace. He sees you coming and his heart is just like, I'm going to get off the porch and I'm going to run to them because I'm going to run and pursue them. See, culturally this was crazy because it was not seemly for an older man, a father figure to actually run. So he kind of, you would see the picture, he'd pull up his robes and he sees him coming. And he goes, that's my son. That's my son. He's coming home. It's the only thing in his heart. That's my son. He's coming home and Jesus is telling this amazing story. Because that's the love of God for people that are lost. And sometimes we forget it or we don't get it into our heart. The things that God is passionate about have to be what we're passionate about. I love people seeing that they they're coming to Jesus because then I know they have a hope they got a shot they got a future and then his father brought out the robe covered him we're covered the robe of righteousness through Jesus his father brought out the ring which signified that he's part again of the family business you couldn't do family business without the signature the signal ring his father brought out the sandals because he was coming home thinking okay I'm gonna be a slave Well, slaves don't wear sandals only sons do the father was saying I'm receiving you not as a slave but I'm receiving you as a son you're coming home son you're coming home son and here here's some sandals then he called for celebration and I want you to notice something this is so amazing there wasn't a probationary period here comes to my son now we're gonna put him on probation for about a year and kind of see what happens he didn't do that he said you are back you are my son you are welcome here's my heart this is Jesus telling the story now for us man I'd be like my my son did that to me He's gonna be sitting on the bench for a while till he proves himself Right? and I know there's repentance and there's a fruit of repentance, but I'm just telling you the story that Jesus told and I think he's a lot better than me. There's no probationary period. and Jesus noticed the reaction of the older brother. He was angry, he was mad, he was withdrawn. He wouldn't even come into the house to celebrate. And Jesus was actually calling out the Pharisees for the lack of concern for the lost that instead of rejoicing that there was a pursuit of grace to bring the lost in, it became about them, what I've done, what I'm doing, what I need, what I should get. And if they would really had a relationship with the Father, they would realize that all, at all times, everything that He had was theirs. The older brother shows that activity for God is not always relationship with god but sometimes we substitute it if i can just do something for god there's nothing wrong with that but you got to realize and i was praying this morning i'm like god i started praying i'm like lord i've got some things that we're trying to do would you just direct traffic and help me with this and then i i I decided no i need to change god help me to do what you want to do i'm going to be involved with what you're doing now not not inviting you into my walk but you inviting me into your walk I, I just want to be about my father's business i want to be about the things that god is about and jesus wants a tribe he wants a, he wants a, a community he wants a church that's filled with people who can forgive and restore those who turn or return to God Jesus wants a church full of people that are willing to reach people search for people run to people despite their shame and encounter them with grace not with I told you so but with grace welcome home can I just say that to, to somebody here this morning welcome home Welcome home. The heart of the Father is like, man, he saw you coming. He pursued you. And he's like, he's encountering you with grace. You may have walked in here with some shame, but he's saying, ah, ah, ah. no, 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 no. I'm going to encounter you with some grace. I'm going to clothe you with a robe of righteousness. I'm going to put a new heart in you, a new spirit in you. I've got purpose for you. i got visions for you. I never let you out of the palm of my hand. You were never outside of my thoughts. This is a father who restores. And the word restore is such an amazing word. It means to put back or bring back into existence or use. To bring back or put back into a former or original state. To put back in possession of something. To return, to recover, to repair. And this is a father who sees you a long ways off. Restores you in relationship and identity. He restores you in purpose Who restores the joy of your salvation Who can restore relationships restore health restore peace of mind? Restore dreams and visions who can restore direction and purpose and I invite you today to the ministry of restoration That the Holy Spirit is offering How many of you here this morning? Say, I've got some stuff that I recognize needs some restoration. Come on, the Spirit of God, just move across this place, right? Restore hope, restore peace, restore marriage, restore relationships, restore purpose, restore an identity that's that's whole and healthy. That's not based on what you did but where you're going there's a god who restores and maybe today's the day that you turn into grace you lean into grace you recognize what jesus is saying you recognize the heart of the father listen i want to do this this morning if you're here today maybe you don't know jesus as your savior maybe you feel like you're lost And far off and you realize okay i might have known about god i might even tried to do some good things for god i might even have an awareness of god but i realized man i might be even like the elder son who just never really had a relationship with god and you've never opened your heart up and said jesus i accept the invitation you're pursuing me i feel it i sense it i can feel it spiritually I don't even know what to do with it. I'm going to tell you what to do with it. That's the invitation of God knocking on the door of your heart, saying, I want to come in, and I want to give you a new heart. I want to give you a new spirit. You need a Savior. And if that's you today, and you're saying, Pastor, that's me today. I want to confess and profess that. I want to take that step into this new life with Jesus. I want you to just raise your hand right where you are. This is good. This will be the easiest place for you to confess Jesus is Lord and Savior. Thank you, sir. This will be the easiest place for you to confess Jesus is Lord and Savior. The Bible says that the angels in heaven are